Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. Chautauqua County Executive P.J. Wendell joins us to talk about the Jefferson Project Report, the state budget, the April 8th solar eclipse, and more. We have County Executive P.J. Wendell in studio with us to do our monthly update on things that are happening in Chautauqua County. A lot of things for late January that to talk about. And uh, welcome this morning. Well, thanks for having me, as always. Uh, last night, Chautauqua County Legislature heard a presentation on the Jefferson Project uh, about the studies they've been doing on Chautauqua Lake. I watched it, and I was talking to listeners this morning and saying, my goodness, earth science classes and biology classes were a long time ago. And I'm hoping that maybe you can kind of can encapsulate and, and I guess in average Joe words, you know, what what are they finding? I mean, I kind of got the impression that phosphorus is a big thing, nitrogen offloading, that was another thing. But I'm trying to think, what is happening with what they found so far? Really, it's it's in in simple terms, it's a tale of two cities. You know, the North Basin is completely different than the South Basin. You know, one has a high level of phosphorus, the other one a high level of nitrogen. Both of them have a problem with dissolved oxygen, and really. It's almost can we, you wish there was a way you could pump oxygen into that subsoil, the muck and the bottom of the lake to you know, increase that oxygen, whereby it starts to diminish the phosphorus and nitrogen in the respective basins. So um, that's a big piece. Uh, we are looking, they are noticing some of the runoff when we look at other um, nutrients that go into the lake. Um, what was interesting, if you looked at the data, there was an anomaly, and in 2022, the numbers were higher. Um, if you listen, and you know, this has been something that's been coming you know, in between my ears for the last four years. Um, we're looking at stormwater runoff. We've looked at high, um, you know, when we have rain, sometimes they are pretty intense. And if, I, if I'm not mistaken, 2022, there was a lot of you know, those flash flooding, heavy rains. And if you look at some of the peaks of, of nutrients and peaks of, of and changes, this is in that year of 2022. So you wonder, you know, were those weather events, you know, part of that? Because if you look at the numbers in 2021 and 2023, much lower. So what was it in 2022 that caused all of this change? Um, and big piece of it, you know, we, we did find, and one of the things they talked about is we're, we're starting now to, to look and research the the input into the lake, so the runoff from the streams and tributaries. But what we do know is what's already in the lake, and that's the nutrient load, the excessive nutrient load that's there. Um, and again, from you know decaying, decaying plants and you know other things that you know have have decomposed and fallen to the bottom. Uh, a couple of other you know things we're looking at, um, you know, is really they they talked about it yesterday increased. Um, you know, stormwater management, you know, that runoff being collected. There's a really great project in Crescent Creek that, that I was part of on the town, the village board, and, you know, been following closely um, with the county. It's, it's a, I call it like a, a, 
for lack of a better term, it's kind of like an aneurysm in the creek, you know? So when, when the waters flow, it goes into this area and kind of navigates and, and kind of takes a bend, but it pulls there and it lets all that sediment, you know, in the heavy rain, you know, dissipate and fall to the bottom. And then the lake, the water gets back into the lake. So it's not a straight shot from then Crescent Creek that was going right into the lake. It was, you know, probably, uh, I forget how many, you know, a couple hundred yards of just, you know, four or six or eight feet of just ditch, you know, creek that are, you know, would just would be turbulent flowing, you know, heavily into the lake and the flooding, et cetera. So it's diminished the flooding around Crescent Creek. But there's other projects around Chautauqua County that have Is that in Village thing. of Lakewood? Yep, in the Village oh. of Lakewood, yep. So there's another project they've they've taken on. It's the Grandview Stormwater Project. It's it's just being undertaken. Uh, it's just gotten underway, excuse me. Uh, again, something that should have been in the original project when the Grandview development started. It wasn't somehow it, it never got, you know, developed and now we're we're seeing a critical need. Again, you know, how do I know? Because you know, when when it floods, I'm there underneath the viaduct with the fire department, you know, trying to, you know, get the branches and the debris out because it just overflows that that inlet, that outlet, which is a, a large ditch that gets eroded and everything just flows into the street. So a lot of those pieces are are really important. Um, you know, we don't have, we joke and we talk back and forth with the Jefferson Project and, and explain everything, you know. They talked a little bit about their salt moment, you know, and that, that was when they realized the effect of road salt. Mm -hmm. Now again. Unlike George. Unlike yeah. George. And, and we don't have that like they do. And, and, you know, when I talked to them, they were concerned. I said, no, no, I understand. But what this allows us to do is say, wow, okay, well, you knew road salt was a problem in Lake George. Well, it's not a big problem here, but you did indicate that by reducing the road salt going into the lake, you are able to protect it. Well, we are surrounded by state roads, 430, 394. There's some small areas in Busti and Ellery and so forth at Lakewood where, you know, those, those county roads are very close to the, to the lake. But the fact that probably 75% of our lake is surrounded by state roads. And you know, I talked to the DOT guys, you know, state DOT, and I said, can we do anything on the bridge? You know, because again, we're probably the only lake that's traversed by an interstate. And what do you do? You put salt on the interstate on the bridge so it doesn't freeze. And, and I talked to one of the one of the guys I've known for a long time, and and he said, yeah, when those things plug up, we just dump a bucket of salt in there. I'm like, okay, five a five gallon bucket of salt, maybe not all five gallons, but where does it go? It goes right in the lake once that salt works. And if you look, they're very very nicely done, and you know they they kind of move with the shape of the lake, but Every one of those white lines you see is a downspout that goes right into the lake. So my, my discussion with the DEC and this discussion with the uh, the DOT is, can we put a trough? You know, and I don't mean like open like a ditch, but can we take a, a piece of, you know, like a 20 inch or 24 inch, you know, um, uh, like a sluice pipe, cut a hole in the top and just drop those droplets in. It doesn't have to be form fitting, but just cut a channel so when it gets mounted under the bridge enough where that, that water rushes down and then goes out. So it could run down in a collection area and just you know be collected in a retaining pond somewhere in between the two bridge areas, you know, build up an earthen dam and let the water go there and, and just dissipate. You know, that would be a, a obviously a, a calcium rich soil, but you know, it's better than going right into the lake. And we know that those provide nutrients and some of our heaviest weed growth of curly leaf pondweed is right there um, in, you know, in the narrows as they call it. But again, that's not, that's not the function, but it is something that we picked up. So why not take advantage of it and try to implement, let's try to be proactive, you know? So 
you know, that's that's a piece. But I think the most important part is, you know, the lack of oxygen, you know, in the water and mm. the Especially dissolved the, oxygen. The North Basin. Exactly. Yeah. So getting that in there to start to reduce the nutrient load is important. Like we said before, you know, knowing that those nutrients are there, especially the South Basin, is more reason to start to get a systematic way to dredge and clean out the bottom of that lake. Uh, you know, I talked yesterday with one of our supervisors. We, we discussed it with some others. Um, what about taking that muck, which is nutrient rich, and we know that it's black, super nutrient soil, and, you know, mixing it with other topsoils? Do we, you know, can we create a hybrid soil, if you will, super nutrient rich? Or, just like they spread manure, can we suck, you know, take that muck off the bottom, you know, you know, lick, you know, put, bring it into a liquid form, add more water to it, and spray it on a field just like you would manure, which farmers have done for years. Uh, now, again, you know, the problem is that goes back into the lake and there's other issues. But, um, you know, I, I think, and one of the supervisors that I can give you the answer to that, he said it's been tried, um, trying to read the tone of voice, good or bad, I wasn't able to, but, but again, what the Jefferson Project is able to do is start to map out and start to give us the data that they've seen. The importance of this, and this is something that I've been asking for many, many years, really since I took office, is trying to get the Jefferson Project funded in, through its completion of a five-year study and then creating what they call a smart lake model, which they have in Lake George. Um, you know, people want to see something now, you know, and they, they want to see results. What that report was yesterday is a condensed version of 60 pages worth of data, and it's starting to give us the blueprint of, you know, the, the focus is harmful algal blooms, but what else are we learning along the way? And that's what, really what's most important. Um, you know, the, the idea of understanding the harmful algal blooms, they have a mapping system and a, and a forecasting where they could predict, you know, where the, the, the conditions are right, just like in a, you know, hurricane or tornado, we, we're going to predict where the conditions are, are right for a harmful algal bloom. And, you know, that way people have a warning. So, uh, you know, the most interesting takeaway is just the data, just a ton of data. And Kevin Rose made a great point in one of his, in the, in the paper itself. The best time to plant a tree was 25 years ago. The second best time is now. And that's really the focus we need to have is now we need to, you know, work together collaboratively as we have and start to now manage the lake and start to, you know, do things in a progressive manner. Now, um, we do have a new boat that's going to be a research boat that's going to go in the, the water uh, uh, titled the unit. It called, it's uh, titled Unity, which I think is very fitting. Can, can, we do have a lot of unification on the board, on the lake. Um, but they've already been out, you know, underneath the ice and they're already starting to see weeds growing. So what does that mean? Are they growing early? Are we going to see that early season that we saw last year? Because one of the things I did pick up was the warm temperature of the water creates a much different um, situation than when the lake freezes and we have a real hard freeze. We haven't had hard freezes last year. And I mean, I heard the best, some of the best ice was six inches, but I'm sure it's not that today, you know, as we had the rains and so forth. So, um, you know, a lot of detail, a lot of, a lot of data, but, but at the end of the day, you know, stormwater um, projects are important, um, preventing what's in the lake, but now preventing what goes into the lake, but now realistically, what's in the lake and then how do we start to take care of that?
You mentioned that, you know, we are in year three um, of Jefferson Project here. They, it's been a 10-year project up in Lake George, if you want to talk about taking time and how much time it takes. And then they've been doing um, research up in Lake Skinny Atlas mm -hmm. as well, which is where we they were talking about the the impact of heavy rains and how yeah. that's mm -hmm. affected their, their phosphorus. But yeah, um, there seemed to be some good news, at least from New York State, that in Governor Hochul's proposed budget regarding Chautauqua Lake, and is is some I don't know if you've heard specific numbers or if the money is going specifically towards something like the Jefferson Project, or is it going toward other initiatives? I know the big push that I've had with the governor's people and the governor herself is funding the Jefferson Project, and this is something we've started from the very beginning. Um, some question as to uh, deliverables and exactly what's the money being spent for, but I think what we saw yesterday, you know, the cost of the sensors and the technology that they're using is really yielding a great deal of data. Um, the number I, I was told was 16 million, and that will fund this project through its completion, which is something that every year, you know, they, you, again, I hear words that, you know, are indicative of to, to what's been happening and you know one of them was there was a you know he said at some point yesterday well this is what we did because of the limited funding available so it's you know it's like an a la carte menu right if you can't get all five items then you get whatever you know you can buy whatever you can afford and that's really what we did last year um, so the importance is getting that funding you know from the state if, if we can get that through the budget that's going to be huge and monumental and we've talked about it the the idea behind that is then you know, Dr. Rysik, who's now a resident uh, scientist here in Chautauqua County, uh, the plan is to create, we've talked uh, about in the past, a global freshwater institute to be here in Chautauqua County on the lake where we have uh, as many as six to eight scientists doing research year round and really focusing on Chautauqua Lake and how, what, how the information from our lake can benefit others. So it's really, Again, it's a small piece, but you know, one of the things they talked about in that presentation was the global outreach of the institution. And the doors of the institution gates have opened. It's not the confined uh, place it used to be. And I think it's, it's not, uh, you know, some of the theories and myths have kind of been dispelled as to their philosophy. Um, you know, again, we're always gonna go back to that age old herbicide versus non-herbicide. But one of the things they talked about were, you know, the need for weeds in the lake that stabilize, you know, the bottom in the soil and prevent those sediments from being turbulent as there are certain wave actions that go into the, the water that we don't see. Um, I do know one of the, one of the telltale um, uh, signatures, if you know, but a signature of the Army Corps is when they do that ecosystem restoration, they put in a new weed that only grows to about two feet. So you still have weed growth in there. It's still a, it would be a native after so many years, but it doesn't get to the four and six feet to the, to the top of the water and really start to impede use of the water and, and swimming and boating, et cetera, and fishing. So there are, <coughs> there are ideas, there are methods that have been proven to work. So again, how do we do that? You know, we'll, we'll wait and see. A big push for the Army Corps' new start program. But again, you know, we do need weeds, you know, and, and, and no one is saying that we're going to nuke the lake and take every weed out because it's impossible and there's no way the lake would survive. But there are systematic ways that we need to take it out in those areas that are, you know, heavily used and want to minimize boat traffic and safety. You know, the last thing you want to hear is somebody jumping in and getting caught in weeds and, and dying because, you know, the weeds were that much. So 
again, a lot of, <laughs> we can go on and on. But <laughs> the bottom line is the funding is there. Uh, we saw in the budget, hopefully. I, I'm, I have all the confidence in the world with our state representatives, Senator Brello and Assemblyman Goodell do a great job of fighting for uh, the money. And they both have been in, instrumental um, in, the, in our activities with this. So um, I'm confident they'll do everything they can. And hopefully we see that uh, that money stay in the budget, which is which is critical for you know the the future of Chautauqua Lake. Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about the state budget, it, the budget was released by uh, Governor Hochul uh, last week, Tuesday, and we always say that you we get highlights, but we don't necessarily know any details about it. Now that it's been just over a week since, have you heard anything in there that is bringing you concern or or things that you're like, oh, good, we need that? Well, the, you know, the concern, the, the one is. You know, the, the biggest one is if we've seen and, you know, came from, you know, uh, reports from NISAC and, um, you know, my, my good buddies, uh, Dan McCoy and Steve Newhouse, respectively president of the NISAC and, and New York State County Executives Association, uh, they both took a hard dive along with NISAC and looked at the information along with their financial people, Dave Lucas, and gave us a good projection of, of what the budget's all about. The biggest piece for counties is no new unfunded mandates. Um, you know, if you remember two years ago, they had the, the MAP program, medically assisted treatment in the jail that was mandatory. They dropped that bomb uh, about a year earlier, but said, oh, it's going to go into effect on October 1st of, of, I think, 2021 or 2022. Um, there's a million dollar hit to our budget because it's really what it cost. Now, information that the governor spoke at the New York State Sheriff's Association convention last year, last week was that that will future uh, will be funded in the future by the state, so it won't be born on the county, which is good news. Uh, that's a, you know, a reduction right there for us. But the, the positive is there's no new unfunded mandates that are out there, which, which is important. Unfortunately, there's still an increase in Medicaid. Um, they did cap the Medicaid growth. Um, they're still gonna be covering that, which is important to the counties, but you know, we're one of three states in the union that still the counties pay into Medicaid, which is a challenging part because it's the state's program, but we pay for it. It's unique how that happens, right? And that's something that's just been plaguing, you know, small counties and every county, you know, statewide. Um, unfortunately, we're seeing an increase in Medicaid. You know, the the other piece we're most concerned about is is our immigration, you know, problem, and, and they're throwing another two point five billion dollars at New York City with. Um, really no end in sight. I mean, I, I saw a clip in the paper, we get something called the Empire Report and they give headlines of everything going on in New York State. You know, Governor Hochul leads delegation of governors to ask for, you know, border control. And I mean, let's face it, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, go down there and see what's happening. It's it's atrocious. This border has been wide open in this, it, throughout this entire administration. And that unfortunately is, um, that's our Achilles heel right now. You know, we brought 12 million people into this country that w- right now limited as to what they can do. Are they gonna be future leaders? And, and be, I'm sure, you know, from great, you know, contributing citizens, but right now they can't come in and do anything. You know, they're coming in illegal. It's not even, we're not even talking legal immigration. We're talking just the illegals that are coming across. Um, you know, we have been, I've been asked to go down to the southern border um, with uh, county executives and with NISAC sponsored by NACO and they're saying you have to come down here and see this for yourself. Our sheriff is making a trip down to the southern border uh, as well. He'll be talking with other sheriffs and sheriffs on those border counties and giving everybody a, a firsthand look as to what's happening. It's, it's sad, but you know, it shouldn't have to be you know, sensationalized by, you know, Rick Harrison lost a son to a fentanyl overdose because of the, you know, there are all these people coming out, celebrities, but 
what about the common person that's dying from fentanyl overdose or the people that are trafficked or the, or the families that are trying to find freedom only to be, you know, coming across the northern border and drowning in a swamp or, you know, not knowing where they're at and, you know, dying of hypothermia because, you know, the, their, their trip to freedom doesn't tell them you're going to a place where the temperature is, you know, in single digits and you used to Mexico with an average temperature of, you know, 70 to 80. It, it's sad. But, and that's tr tough that the governor hasn't taken a stance pause the, the sanctuary city, sanctuary state status and get us back on our feet. Uh, but, you know, we look at things, um, you know, interestingly enough, the, you know, the governor touts a 15% fund balance, which you know, everyone's really excited about. And here in Chautauqua County, we've done that and we're getting criticized. So uh, you take the good with the bad. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, the budget, I joked, I, I found a quiz uh, from one of my brothers in 1993, the state budget, about $27 billion. Um, now over $200 billion, some 30 years later, that's eye-opening. And realistically, you know, we need to reevaluate where things are. The SUNY system, community colleges, a lot of things, you know. We, we look at what we have here, but there are much greater problems in other areas. And it all has to be really examined. And the state needs to put their foot down. Um, you know, although we're seeing a reduction in aid with school districts, the governor has increased, you know, funding for schools, and realistically, long overdue. Um, I like the governor saying we're going to get back to basics in education. One of the first things that she said in the state of the state address: um, we need to get rid of those crazy curriculums. Well, unfortunately, the man who created those crazy curriculums and implemented those is John King, who is now the chancellor of SUNY. So. I'm a little apprehensive that his leadership is now, you know, in our higher education system and where we need somebody that's really going to, you know, kind of put the, their foot on the ground and, and get things straightened out. Um, we've got our faith in somebody who said we're going to fly the ship as, you know, fly the plane as we build it. Um, I don't know. I don't really believe in that style of leadership. But again, look at the budget. You know, I know the senator and assemblyman are going to give us a better dive. I got a 27-page document I've looked at and read about three times, still picking up new pieces. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, it's what's interesting is, is they're asking us to um, increase sales tax revenue 5.7% for fiscal year 2024. So that's what the state is telling you. You're going to see an increase, budget at least that much, of a 5% increase in sales tax revenue. A lot of it because of the the eclipse um, and other things that are going to happen. Not every county in New York, but 32 of the counties are going to be affected by it. But um, I think there are things that we need to look at, you know, and those 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 pieces are are part of that puzzle and making sure we're in a solid economic position. And we are here in Chautauqua County. We have, you know, we've had four consecutive budgets with, you know, proposed tax rate reductions, three uh, con three um, successful tax rate reductions, but again. You know, we'll just keep working with uh, what the state gives us and, and work with the state officials and um, see where we end up. I, I was, had a little side chuckle when you were mentioning um, the uh, the New York State's reserves of being at 15% and and the differences in how the public perceives those. And well, just because I was thinking of last night's legislature meeting where one of the things on the agenda, you mentioned the eclipse, uh, was using some money from the county's fund balance for, for buying uh, emergency preparedness equipment. And I think, you know, for the... Uh, for the average person, you're thinking, oh, why, why do we need this emergency equipment? I know that emergency services director, Noel Goatman, had presented on this public safety. And um, you know, I think people are, 
they know the solar eclipse is coming April 8th, but maybe they're just not quite understanding maybe why, why the, all this preparedness is needed. Well, you know, the, the, and this is what, what Noel had said from the very beginning. I would rather be in a position where we're ready and it doesn't happen. Uh, he says it would rather be overprepared and underwhelmed than overwhelmed and underprepared. And, and I totally agree with that. Um, you know, there's the six P's, um, poor plan at least to poor performance. And we know there's a couple of other adjectives get entered in there. Uh, it's the bottom line. You know, we're planning for this. Now, one of the larger ticket items in there is a backup system for our internet and cell phone. Um, last week, for example, we did have two Fridays ago, we had a power outage um, that was sustained for about 28 hours. And at one point, the Chautauqua County Emergency Operations Center was without um, internet, which is critical. You can't do that because we are a branch of New York State government. We have to have that infrastructure available. So had we had that, Noel would have plugged it in for use right there um, in his office. Uh, I, I was given reports that cell service was down for about several hours in the outlying areas, Ripley and Westfield. So this is a, a device that, if needed, could be taken remotely. And we said, okay, you're without cell service. And because some people may not have a, a phone in their home at all, it's got a two mile radius. So if you get within two miles of, uh, you know, the Mayville Jarossi office building, then you could, you know, use your cell phone and it, for critical needs, et cetera. Um, that's one of the pieces. The medical supplies are huge. Uh, the others are signage, um, you know, for um, informing people where things are. We, we just don't know what we're going to see. What we have been told is, you know, plan on excessive traffic, plan on all these delays, plan on things being backed up. So, you know, are we going to listen to the naysayers? Oh, don't worry about that. Don't, well, because if we do and it gets hit, what are we going to say? Well, we listen to you. And they were like, oh, I, I didn't say it. You know, I had this the famous, you know, you know, who 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 smashed the window? What me? You know, nobody had their hand on a, on the ball, but yet the ball went through the window. Same thing here. We want to be prepared. And you know what's? It, it's really sad. And, and I hate to even bring it up, but <laughs> it was a party line vote. That's sad. Completely sad. And, and one one legislator to say we don't need it. Really, you then if something happens. Maybe we should have everybody call you and say, well, you said we didn't need it, and we did. So what is your response going to be? Um, I think it's, it's good to grandstand in this, on the floor of the legislature, but are you going to be there to field the call? God forbid something happened and it was lack of preparedness. I don't want that. That's going to bear on my shoulders and Noel Govan's shoulders. We don't want to have that happen. And again, <clears throat> we're looking at $194,000. And ironically, you know, even some of the legislators said, well, it's 20% of the money we wanted. Well, why didn't you vote for it then? Makes no sense at all, right? Spend fund balance. We're spending fund balance and then you vote it down. Makes no sense to me at all. We're past that. We're going to be prepared for the solar eclipse. Um, you know, hotels in the city of Jamestown are, are booked. You can get them for eight or $900 a night. Um, you know, there are people renting out their homes. I was told... Um, rentable property in the grounds of the institution is about 75% occupied for that weekend, that that time. It's going to happen. You know, we are in the, the path of totality. And, and, you know, and as it gets closer, you know, people may start to realize. I was skeptical at first. I thought this was, you know, about a year ago when this first came out. Um, it's almost like doomsday prepping, right? <laughs> it's going to come. Although, you know, chicken little, the sky's falling. But this is more, you know, we do. And it, my brother attended in, in Tennessee in uh, 2017. And it was an overcast day and it got black as night. I mean, it will, whether it's overcast or not, you will see 
a full, you know, kind of a blackout, you know, during that time frame. And it'll be unique. And, you know, people come here and, and we want to capitalize on it, but we want to be prepared. But just so disappointing that that came down a party line vote. Just, you know, and, and it wasn't a party line supporting amendments or supporting where the funding was going to come. You know, when the resolution came, do we use occupancy tax or do we use fund balance? The amendment to use occupancy tax got voted down and many people supported the use of fund balance. And then when that came up, they said, no, they were not going to, makes no sense at all. But that's government. That's how people vote. We mm -hmm. just... Um, we're prepared. That's all right. I can tell people. And I was thinking when you mentioned that, you know, the, the, the eclipse in 2017, I have friends who live in Indianapolis and they, I saw their photos and like crowds of people wherever park they were at and, and of, of other states that were in that path of totality back then. Were these municipalities that um, the emergency services director, was he talking to them? I mean, was there... Has, were there like words of wisdom from those areas saying, hey, New York State, this is what you should do? It is. And that's what we've been basing this on. I mean, Noel's been involved in meetings going on about a year now. And I was at the NISAC conference. They started talking about this last year. And, and really, the, that's what they're doing. Emergency preparedness directors are talking to one another. Emergency services directors are saying, this is what we learned. Don't make our mistake. Um, you know, telling gas stations, make sure there's more fuel on hand. Make sure there's more food in your restaurants. I don't know. Most people are closed on a Monday. Well, we'll be seeing influx. You know, we're telling people, come early, stay late. Leave on Tuesday. Don't try leaving Monday after the event because it's probably going to be gridlock. But well, we don't know. That's the point. So let's prepare. Um, if you have some extra food, well, I don't think it's going to go to waste in our restaurants and in our food establishments. So, uh, you know, again, this is a no-win scenario. You are going to get people, they're going to criticize you for what you're doing. And then if something goes awry, they're going to point their finger and say, why didn't you do it? So we're prepared. We'll take the heat and we'll make sure that we're ready. And um, it's really all I can say. I mean, it's this is stuff. And, it, and it, ironically, everyone said, well, all with the exception of one legislator, they believe that this is stuff we needed. Um, and, you know, ironically, they're going to the experts saying, well, do we really need it all? If the expert says we need it, then we need it. I, I don't know why you, you know, if you're not in the, in the know, um, you know, and, and again, it is, things are what they are. People made their vote, but I think the best, you know, at the end of the day, it was supported and, you know, we're, we're going to be ready and we're going to be prepared. Last night, you had an opportunity to recognize a woman who has, I think, been involved in just about every organization in Chautauqua County. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not really. Not really. When no, we're talking about Dr. Lillian vitanza uh she has served on the Chautauqua County Board of Health for about 10 years, and but she's stepping down. I, I, I thought, my God, she's stepping down. Is she allowed? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things that it, it kind of surprised me when I looked at the proclamation. You know, she was appointed in 2014. I'm like, God, it seems like she's been there forever. I mean, because she's just always been a staple of public health in Chautauqua County. Um, I, I can't say enough about Dr. Nay and, and who she is and what she's done for this county. Um, you know, what we talked about last night and we talked earlier, you know, before we went on air is we didn't even mention her time with city government. You know, she was a city councilwoman, first woman, female president of city council, city council president. All these things while being, you know, a mother and a grandmother and, and um, you know, she's just a, a great woman. Um, you know, to the, her resolve, and this is something she doesn't, you know, talk about, but, you know, there was a time where, you know, she lost her daughter, Allison, my age, uh, and, and Allison's a good friend in a car accident, and within a short period of time, then lost her husband. Um, having such a catastrophic loss in your family is, is would maybe cripple some people, but, you know, she just, 
with elegance and grace, she dealt with her situation and, you know, moved on. And, and I think, um, you know, showed that, you know, through adversity, you know, can come greatness. And really that's who she is. And, and yeah, I, I, I was with Pierre. He said when uh, he said when he was first told Dr. Nay was uh, resigning, we we're both like, yeah, no, like we'll give it back. Uh, we can't really replace her. Uh, her wisdom, her experience, everything, her knowledge, institutional knowledge of health is is phenomenal. But, you know, everyone deserves the time to relax, you know, and enjoy their life. Uh, she has been dedicated to this county, the city and the county for so, so very long. And just such a kind, warm-hearted woman. There's just, there's not enough accolades and praise to give her. Um, but, you know, the county would be a much different place had she not been here without a doubt. So uh, I wish her all the best. Like I said, I, I you know, I told her I, don't want her to go. <laughs> we'll keep you around. Well, yeah, whatever you want to do. But uh, again, hats off. She's, I can't say enough about her. She's just an amazing woman. Right. And, and when you're talking about longevity, she shared a piece of information last night that I, I never knew was that she was an acting health commissioner back in the 1980s. And so I, that's what I call it, you know, the young days of Chautauqua County, because really as a, in terms of how county government was structured, that only really started in 1976-ish. Yeah, 75. So, yeah, yeah 75. So, yeah, I, I had no idea that she had had that kind of role within county government. Yep. And, uh, and I, I mean, I'm not, still, I call myself a newcomer after 25 years to the county. But, yeah, uh, that, that was surprising, interesting information. It is, and she just... Again, she's had, in a, in a very good way, she's had her finger in a lot of different things, you know, uh, and she's just, everything she's been part of has been, uh, is much better for her, uh, much better as her being there. Um, it has been better after she's, unfortunately, sometimes she's walked away. It still remains great. But again, just a tremendous woman. There's just not enough accolades and not enough praise to give her. But, you know, I wish her, and we'll see her around. She's, she's not going anywhere, um, but just wants some time to relax. And I, I kind of envision her putting on a, a gardening hat walking around the garden enjoying your time and you know we'll see right i don't think that we'll ever see the back of uh, dr nay no. at least not for a while no so. no no yeah another thing from this week uh, the ida the industrial development agency uh presented their annual report at their meeting this week and there was a lot of things i mean a lot of accomplishments in 2023 you, you had alluded to them and, and even kind of gave a brief preview when we talked in december about just how big a year 2023 was for the ida it, it was. It, they, you know, they talked about 2022. I think 400 million dollar investment. You know, you just really you open the front page, and 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 they're really the attributes are there. You know, 34 different projects, 842 million dollars of investment. It, I mean, you argue that's a billion dollars in my book, right? Um, and and you know, 2,300 jobs retained, um, 574 new jobs being created. Um, you know, there's been nine EDA, CARES Act, and all tech loans, um, grant dollars, $10 million, and, you know, pilot payments to jurisdictions is $1.95 million. And, you know, there's always, there's this misnomer that a pilot program means you don't pay taxes. That, that's not it. There, there is a payment. They are, re, they are getting funding, but it's not as much as the taxes would be. And that's not a problem of communities, localities. That's really a state, because our state taxing is really high, you know, and, you know that's that's one of those secrets of bidding, right? Or business? It's kind of those hidden hidden necessities that you need these pilot programs to bring these these businesses here. And this isn't unique to New York State. These these happen all over the country. But you know it, it, we've you know I've talked to different taxing jurisdictions, concerns about the pilots, and and you know at the same time 
our hands are kind of tied because without those pilots, and, and you look at the number of incentives that these businesses get, without them, they're packing up and going somewhere else. So we really need to focus on that. But you know, $840, $842 million of investment, that's critical, that's huge. Um, and again, almost double from what it was the year before. And uh, you know, hats off to Mark Geis uh, and his team. They do a tremendous job. Uh, so many people in that IDA you know, team that I don't want to start listing because I'm afraid. They're actually here in the book, so they are, they are listed in all the great work they do. But um, you, know, you look at, and I, I go back to, you know, I was out campaigning with, uh, with Kim Eklund in the fall. You know, somebody, well, what about the IDA? You know, they're not. I said, no, 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 stop. You know, the IDA just got $5 million for the Ripley site. So if we want to go back to the early part of 2022, 2023, with the ABO report and the audit findings and what they needed to do, and of course, you know, all the, the criticisms that came out, you know, in fact, some of our newly elected legislators criticizing the IDA. Well, how do you criticize a group that brought in $842 million of investment in our industry? Not to mention the ripple effect that that $842 million of investment is going to produce. Cummins, nearly half a billion dollars of investment. They want to be the camshaft capital of the world right here in Chautauqua County. Significant um, renovations to their engine plant in Jamestown. When they first started, 20 years ago, they had built their 500,000th engine. In those 20 years, they built 2 million more. Imagine 2 million engines stacked up. It's phenomenal, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. When I worked there, when I first got out of college, 235 engines, 215 engines a day, they'll be at 500 engines a day, some 20, almost 30 years later. Technology is incredible, but that's the investment in the community because we have a solid workforce. Um, you look at uh, you know, the investment, Wells. Wells was laying off 300 people a little over a year ago. Now they're bringing back 200 plus jobs. So, and again, it's interesting that the parent company is Ferrero from Ferrero Rocher. So we're part of a, a global conglomerate of confectionery, you know, dynasty. So they don't come here because, you know, oh, let's give it a whirl. It's we have a solid workforce, we have a proven track record, and we can get things done. So it's really important, um, the investments made. We're the number one ranked IDA in Western New York, ahead of Erie County. The only economic group that beats us is Invest Buffalo Niagara, and eh, they got the Buffalo Billion, so I guess we'll give them that one. But um, yeah, I'm really impressed with Mark uh, and his team. They do a tremendous job, always working. Again, still, there's a couple of projects that are, you know, cook it, bacon in the oven right now, and whenever we're able to announce them, we will. But, you know, if you look in here, they talk about Electrovia. You know, that project, the sale of the building was almost two years ago. So these things take time, and it's not that anyone's ever stopped. It's not that the wheels haven't been turning. They always are. Uh, the big project we really need to see a little bit more push on, and it's moving, uh, is Immunity Bio up in the North County, you know, the old Athenex building. Um, it's a very specific building, um, very specific use, uh, but that is increasing. You know, we've talked to Immunity Bio about every six months, but there are things moving forward. So really excited. Um, I can't say enough about the IDA. You know, they're they're always moving and shaking, and more to come. You know, there will be some some great things in the future. Mm -hmm. and, one, and some of those things in the future, I was turning to the page here on on goals and something that kind of caught my ear when uh, Mark Rice was talking about it. It's just, you know, acquiring more shovel-ready sites. Uh, obviously, the Ripley site getting the five million to do the phase one. <coughs> and uh, But that the fact that you're looking at maybe expanding the uh, the Mason Industrial Park and doing work out there, I said that I think that for South County, that's exciting prospect news, you know, for that going forward. Yeah. You know, when you look at, again, <laughs> 
I, I've, I've, I've seen this, and, and I kind of use this quote a lot more. Um, you know, the taste, the, the only taste success people will have while taking a bite out of yours. Um, and I think in some cases, that's what we see. You know, some people are very critical of, of our success and, and trying to take a shot at it. But, you know, the industrial park in Mason, it's shovel ready. You know, the, the sewer, the gas, the electric, it's all right there. I mean, it's, you know, we're not going to move it in 150 feet or 150 yards in anticipation because what if it's in the wrong direction? What if it's, you know, the shovel ready sites are there. Anything here in the South County for the, for the most part is shovel ready. Uh, if you look at our former industrial sites in downtown Jameson, those are they're shovel ready. You just have to, you know, dig down, hook into the gas, water, electric, et cetera, sewer. Uh, but, you know, it, we are expanding. You know, those shovel ready sites are critical. You know, a piece that's that's hanging out there is I really want to start to um, incorporate I-90 as a technology corridor with the Micron investment into Onondaga County, which is, you know, right along 90 into Syracuse. Um, again, that's why we're poised to have the Ripley site there be ready right across the border from Pennsylvania. You know, you've got a rail spur not too far away. You've got Interstate 90. You've got Interstate 86 close by. There's so many opportunities for that Ripley project. Um, you know, again, you know, the land is there. The property's there. Um, we're going to take advantage of it, you know, and expand. And I, again, a lot of good things. I'm really excited, you know, the goals we have, um, you know, for the future. And um, Again, I'm just I, I, I'm excited every time I go to a meeting to hear what what new is coming along, and there's always something good and exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of things, and I, I, I'm already thinking about next month what we're going to talk about at the end of next month, and but we'll save that for then. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you'd like to add for today? Yeah, just real quick, you know, I, I, there was you know, of course, the sensationalization in the paper. You know, whenever there's something maybe not so great, but I know they they were highlighting the increase in unemployment in Chautauqua County. Well, you know, I, I look at that and I have to ask myself. How do we see an unemployment rate increase when we know factually hundreds of jobs in Chautauqua, hundreds of jobs in Chautauqua County? We can't find people to fill positions. You know, Gialli's in downtown Jameson, beautiful restaurant, can't find staff to work. Honest John's in Lakewood had to close because they can't find staff to work. These are honest, hard, you know, good paying jobs that we can't find people. If you go to Cummins, the county itself, we have many, many, many openings for you know, well-paying jobs, but we can't get people. So it's disappointing, you know, because, oh, county unemployment on the rise. Well, how? You know, that's the question I have is, how is it on the rise when we know there are hundreds, if not maybe a thousand or a little bit over a thousand jobs in this county? Um, you know, I encourage people, go out, look for what you're, you know, take a shot. You know, you never know what career you might be, you know, getting into. But again, it's, it's unfortunate, but, you know, I don't let that, let that don't let that get me down. I, I know the positives we have, and you know, somebody might hang their hat on that, but you know, it came down, and it, you know, it went up. It could come down. It's going to come down again. So uh, mm -hmm. we're going to keep working. You know, we're going to keep making sure those businesses are there, and that we're, you know, we've had over seventy-five new businesses open last year. Phenomenal. We're on the ribbon cutting circuit, right? We, you know, with the congressman, the assemblyman, the senator, myself, and you know, we. We have our traveling road show, and it's a great opportunity to meet new businesses and new people that are investing in Chautauqua County. So really excited about what 2024 has to bring. Yeah. And the numbers you're referring, are those the December unemployment numbers? I'm not sure. I, it just I came so. 
came out yesterday. It was kind of oh, one of those yeah. things. I'm like, oh, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> you know, it's, well, and then I, I have to think, I mean, I'm not trying, I'm speaking just from background knowledge, is that December employment in the county has traditionally always been lower than what it is in the summertime anyway. Right. Because we're still have a very heavy tourism base. Correct. And, and, and again, we'll, we'll see that. You'll see an increase in, in, you know, employment when, and a lot of it is, yeah, that people collect unemployment that are, you know, working on, you know, road crews and different, you know, our paving companies and, and road stuff. So it's disappointing, you know, that, but I, I look at, you know, really what we're doing and, and we're, we're making positive, you know, positive, you know, forward progress and we're just going to keep going. Yeah. County Executive Vendel, thank you so much for coming in today. Well, thanks for having me.